Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, we are continuing our Compassion in Action series, where we are talking about the preferential option for the poor. And today, I am honored to have with me Father Malachi of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. He is so cool. I've heard about you from other people um, that we have in the same small, small Catholic circle and nothing but good things. So I'm so happy that you're here and uh, that you're giving us your time. For those listening, it is 8 p.m. and Father Malachi is so generous uh, to record (laughs) at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty crazy. 8 p.m. I'm like already putting in my retainer. I'm going to bed. So, so I, I really appreciate you giving us your time and I'm so excited. (laughs) You know what? Seriously. Yeah. The minute I turned 30, I was just like started dreaming of just flossing and going to bed at 8 15. We are so grateful that you're here. And for everyone listening, we'd love to just know a little bit about you. Would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So a uh, member of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, as you said, I joined the community 15 years ago, was ordained a priest back in 2020. That's wow. right. Pandemic priest here. So I was ordained May 30th of 2020. Originally grew up in Georgia from the city of Augusta, and I've got seven brothers and sisters, wonderful family, um, and had a real powerful experience of God's mercy and reconversion to my faith, which was connected with a call to the priesthood about 22 years ago and just set a totally different trajectory for for my whole life, um, which is what eventually led me on a path to meeting the friars and joining them back in 2008. Since then, I've served stateside missionary in Central America, Nicaragua, Honduras, and now back in the U.S. in the South Bronx and helping out with the National Eucharist Revival as well. So joy to be here today with you. Well, something about you guys is that y'all are nothing but busy. My gosh, <laughs> like busy for God for real. Oh my goodness yeah. gracious. All wow. for Jesus. Yes, for real. So how is life in the South Bronx? I ask that because, well, one, a lot of my family lives in the Bronx and I was born in the Bronx. Sweet. I moved to Florida as a child, so didn't get to experience it for my whole life, but so fun. Go there a lot. Love it. I love the New York vibe, but I don't like the weather. Today, we woke up and it was like 40 degrees here in Orlando, Florida. And so what is the vibe over where you are? Is it freezing yet? It is freezing. We actually had our food handout today and our neighbors were like out there like braving the cold. Oh my gosh. Had to cover over the food stuff with plastic because it was going to get frost lights last night from the cold up here. So it's a little bit chilly, um, but I mean, it is New York. so. So you're still rocking and rolling. This is it. Yeah. You keep on doing what the Lord has for you to do. But uh, the Bronx is, it's interesting. I first visited here in 2002 as a college student doing a summer like of just volunteer work with the Missionaries of Charity, actually. That's how I met the Friars. So I helped out with a summer camp that they do here. And I was leaving the city, leaving the Bronx and told my friends, I was like, man, that was just a really awesome summer, incredible place to visit but you can never pay me to live there. Mm. And it's interesting because like I'm from Georgia, the city is not like my natural habitat. Mm. Um, I prefer woods and mountains, but there's something beautiful that the Lord does when you come to a place and you're open to Jesus, just like opening your heart up to his heart for his people in that place. Mm. And so it's been beautiful. Like now I'm like, you know, before I'd be 
distracted or annoyed by like you know the music is like blaring out of the windows when it's summertime but now i'm just like yeah it's summer all right man that's a sweet song like throw down that beat that's you know yeah there's something beautiful about the people and the culture um and also the faith i mean the one thing that's definitely shifted in the last i'd say certainly the last year and a half is the extreme influx of immigrants into the country Hmm. we're really feeling that here locally in the bronx and part of that is connected with one of our major apostolates that we have, which is a men's homeless shelter, St. Anthony's shelter for renewal. So so some things are kind of shifting a little bit. Some of the demographics, not like everybody's moving out necessarily, but there's new folks in the neighborhood. But I lived in Central America for a while, speak Spanish. So that's, you know, just like, okay, let's do it. You know, you're like, this is all just a part of the gig. I got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you realize like that, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard thing to describe. But like, this is people's like life and their home and their people, and God is here. And so, when you discover that like God really is the center of all things, and in those places that you might least expect to find Him, you begin to be open to and you discover His presence there. And there's joy where God is present. And so, if God is everywhere, then there's a possibility of joy, of beauty, of of just like the life that flows out of the life of God everywhere. And for me, it was sort of a bit of like a opening up my heart and conversion to falling in love with a place and a people that naturally wasn't like the thing that I was drawn to. But like Christ gives you like new eyes to see in a way that we don't just see naturally. Ooh, that's a word. So something that you said, so speaking of like drawing your heart to something that you're not naturally inclined to, today, like as we're talking about the preferential option for the poor, that just the option for the poor, for short, for those listening, you know, it tells us that we should be compelled to like love our brothers and sisters that are on the margins. And then, you know, it was expanded to even, you know, um, those affected by different social justice issues and, you know, those experiencing homelessness and experiencing addiction and all of those things that were, it was just like the poor in spirit. And so a lot of people, you know, will say sometimes like their hearts just, it's not that their hearts don't go out to people that are experiencing, you know, even if we're talking about just like physical poverty, but just they just don't know how to quite approach people that are in that kind of experience because there can be many reasons. I know for me growing up, there was like the you don't really know what people are going to do with whatever you give them or, mm-hmm. you know, people can just like if they're young and they're capable, then they should just do what they need. And so it's just capable in perception, right? And so Yeah. Then as we get older, it's kind of like you start to see all the nuances of people's lived experiences like you were sharing. It's Mm -hmm. like people come, even people come to America, and this is probably not like their first ideal to be in a completely new (laughs) place, (laughs) to be in a completely new place with completely foreign food and customs and things that they're doing. And so even in that like poverty of experience, you know, we're called, our hearts are called to like engage with people like that. And so mm-hmm. what would you say to someone that's like, I just don't know like in what capacity that the Lord can call me or is calling me to engage with people that are experiencing poverty. And like, I don't know where to start. Like, how mm-hmm. is there a posture of our hearts that we should like start with first or, you know, how would you kind of get comfortable with that sort of thing? Yeah. I, I, so my first thing is, is this, is that for St. Francis and for the church, 
the reason we say preferential option for the poor is not because like the church is kind of a group of quote unquote sort of cliche phrase social justice warriors, but because the church is a group of people who are following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. So we have a preferential option for the poor because Jesus had a preferential option for the poor. And so it's about following Jesus and looking at his example. I mean, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says that even though he's rich, he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. And you see in Matthew 25, Jesus is like, you do it to the least of my brethren, you do it to me. There's also later in Philippians, this powerful line where it says, Jesus doesn't deem equality with God something for us to grasp at, but rather he humbles himself. And takes the form of a slave coming in the likeness of men. And so Jesus is giving us sort of a a way, a, a life, a pedagogy of like, how does it look to live and to relate to others in the way that God does? And so that's the thing that we're looking to do. And, and then what does God do? He chooses the poor. First, he chooses the very poverty of becoming human. Then he chooses the poverty of his life circumstance, the born in the stable, the you know working class poor family, the foreign immigrant who's in Egypt and in a place that he doesn't know, coming back and being somebody whose hands are calloused because he know what it's like to work, and in the poverty also that he saw in the society around him that had become blind to the value, the dignity of different people, right? The sick and the lame, um, those who are poor, the widow that he notices. Who's giving these little two little coins in the basket and no one else sees her and Mm. Jesus sees her, the one who's an outcast because of whatever sin they might fall into, whether it's the guy who's the publican, the tax collector who he sits down and has a meal with, or it's the adulterous woman who he stands before and says, neither do I condemn you. And so Jesus is the measure, the example, the reason, the why behind this love and this choice of having what we refer to as a preferential option for the poor. So that's like the first thing is like, why are we doing this? It's not because, you know, we're like caught up in some sort of like communist vision of an egalitarian society. Mm. It's because we're disciples of Jesus Christ trying to live the gospel. And that's what he did. And so we're looking to follow his example. He is the standard, no one else. And so I got to look at the gospel. And this is one thing I just tell people is like, what is the the lens through which you evaluate life? Mm. And so like what our lens ought to be, right, is the heart of Jesus. And I can't do that unless I know that heart. And so prayer must be a place where I come. And when I come before God, I come as one who is a beggar, who is poor, who is desperately in need. And so sometimes I think I would just say, you know, not to be too harsh, I can speak about my own experience, but like first time I went to a soup kitchen, I was a college student. All I wanted to do was serve soup. I didn't want to get anywhere close where I had to be in relationship. Oh yeah. I don't want to talk to you. No talking. I'm yep. like, I feel very good about myself scooping food into, you know, there's like a barrier and, and I'm like, and what is that? I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say, you mm. know, like they're so different. And that sense of them being so different is the blindness that's in my heart to the truth that we are all children of the Father. Mm. And so whoever I stand before, I stand before my brother or my sister. And it doesn't matter what they look like or what they smell like. It doesn't matter, you know, what language they might be speaking or what their circumstance is. Here before me is a brother or a sister. Mm. And so if I start with that disposition that 
that I'm poor before God and he's shared his riches with me. And so anything I have is actually not my own. A story I'll often share, which just moved my heart so deeply of a friend of mine who was in Nicaragua and he's very wealthy, comes from a very wealthy family. And we were driving through the city, the capital Managua and each intersection, there's like at least half a dozen people begging at the lights, right? And now in the US, it seems to be a much more common thing, right? People out there asking for money at intersections. And we pull up to the light, people come up and he rolls down the window, pulls down his visor and pulls out a, a bill from, you know, a quart of us and money down there, the currency and rolls down the window and then says the name of the woman who's walking towards us and then gives her the, the bill and then says, God bless you. And I was just like so moved. And then another person comes up and he repeats this and he had on his visor like cash right there. It's like not it'd be the equivalent of like having like dollar bills, right? It's not like he was giving away a bunch of money, but he had this something to offer them. He would ask them their name if he didn't know their name. He actually knew some of their names because it was the same route he would drive to work each day. And afterward, I just looked at him. And I was like, wow. I was like, bro, I was like, that was beautiful, man. Just like seeing that generosity towards them. And he was like, I wasn't being generous. He's like, that money's theirs. It's not mine. Mm. They need it more than I do. Everything's from the Lord. And so there's a recognition, right, of like, we stand equal before God. This is the great fallacy in the world that would try and deceive us into thinking that there's some kind of like tier system that I could posture myself as being above or greater than another person. And the truth is, is we are all poor before God, but we're all equally, infinitely loved by him. And when you know that and you experience that love and then you realize, oh, you don't just love me this way. You love that person who's before me this way. Mm. And so my heart begins to be open to the heart of God for this person. And so practically, I think the first move is, is asking Jesus Give me the grace to know my real, like who I really am before you, like the poverty that I have before you. And then give me the grace to recognize all the people that I'm going to meet today as my brother or my sister. And if you thought about like, oh my goodness, like I've been separated from somebody. There's a long lost part of the family who's out there. And like, I don't want to miss that. I don't mm. want to miss them. And if I move through my day with that type of an interior disposition, how many more people would I see? And how many more people would I see with love? And then once you love and you're looking with love, then what do I want to do? I want to, I want to show that love concretely, right? Mm. It's like, you know, I can remember is like walking through the neighborhood here in the Bronx and seeing somebody that I knew who was a guy in the shelter, you know, who is in need of something. He'd been here before, previous guest. And I just go up and he's like, oh, father, I was like, hey, bro. And we like give each other a hug. Mm. I know you. I love you. Yo, I need help. You know, it's like, sweet. Yeah, let's go eat. And you you want to help people that you know and love. Hmm. And the truth is, is that like there's somebody who's waiting to be discovered in each person that's before me in my life. And I know that, you know, like we can get caught up with like, well, what if, you know, they're going to use some money I give them for something that's not, you know, I don't want to be contributing to. And there's like some discernment, right? There's sure. also sa there's safety discernment, right? If you're a, yeah. if you're a woman by yourself, you don't go like walking off with the dude and like, <laughs> hey, let me take you. And I was like, no, <laughs> let me take you, you to dinner. Got it. Yeah, like not yeah. not a good idea. 
I can get away with a lot of stuff as a friar wearing a habit that other people can't do. And I know that, but I can always smile. I can always look someone in the eyes. I can always ask someone their name. It's always something that I can do that isn't going to sort of like risk something in an imprudent manner. Once there's a request made concretely for something, I can look at that and be like, hey, am I in a position to help by getting them something? Do that. Great. What if I give them something and they use it for something that's not good? It's like, well, you know, I certainly would rather stand before the Father in heaven and be chastised for having enabled somebody than to be standing before the Lord and him saying, you know, yeah, go to the left side. Mm. Because when you saw me hungry, you didn't give me food to eat. Mm. Meaning that I'd rather err on the side of a kind of gratuitous charity that presumes the best. And if you're seeing the same people, right, that changes dynamics because development of relationship can happen. Typically, the same people are begging in the same areas. So if you're in the same area, um, and then you can ask questions about how I could do something that might be more helpful to someone if there's an ongoing encounter. But I, I think in general, like I, I, I try to to err on that side of the like generosity because that seems to be what God mm. does with us. Wow. Gratuitous charity that presumes the best. That is just, I mean, that has to be how God feels about us. So charitable, so merciful. And he's like, mm-hmm. just, he's like, I'm just going to take it as the best. Like you have good intentions and I'm just going to take it as that. Even though we could, we could swindle him. We could kind of yeah. go the other way. <laughs> right? And so that, yeah. Oh my gosh. And something that you were saying that really you know, made me think as well was, you know, I used to live in Denver, Colorado, and there's a huge like homeless population there. And I was volunteering with this apostolate Christ in the city, which I I think they have near in Philadelphia to Mm y'all. And I remember we went to like a training before the the lunch day and they were sharing and they were just talking about like their friends in in the street, uh, homeless Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. And they were like, you know, one lady said, Think about if you went for a whole year and nobody ever said your name, like a whole year and nobody ever said like, hey, Father Malachi or hey, Chanel for a whole like people just did not even acknowledge you. Oh, my gosh. And I remember sitting there and thinking, what the heck? Like, man, I can't imagine just nobody saying my name because just the power of acknowledgement, not even like someone saying you're great or you're talented or I love your Mm -hmm. shoes or whatever, but just like acknowledging you as a person, like person to person. And so for me, whenever I encounter someone like a homeless person, I always will like ask them for their name and just always refer back to them as their name and it's like might not be powerful for them and it's not powerful like transformative experience for me every time but i really think about just like that movement of just Mm -hmm. every person of just acknowledging them because i really think we've gotten to a place in society where there's like two things happening i do think there are people that are doing really good work and then Mm -hmm. there are also there is a, a majority of people as well that just we've lost that sense of acknowledgement, which is like a bare minimum way to treat other people, you know, not yeah. even not even like doing anything gratuitous, but just 
acknowledging someone's existence and just even by saying their name, you know, such a powerful thing. And so I love that. And I love that story you shared about your friend, just like, it, it is really powerful because then there's that that relationship and that familiarity of like, oh, I know that mm-hmm. person, you know? Yeah. There's so many times where someone will say, oh, do you know so-and-so Chanel? And I'm like, mm, I have no idea. And then I meet them and I see <laughs> them and I'm like, oh, yes, like Susan or whatever. And they remember my name and I'm like, oh, crap, yes, you, I know you. Yeah. And have I spoken to you a lot? Maybe not, but I know you because like we've exchanged names you know who I am. I've heard who you are. And it's just like such a powerful thing. And I love that yeah. that is even the bare, bare place to start. And I also love what you just said about, I would rather go to God and him be like, ah, you know, hey, that guy took that food, you know, and he traded it for a PlayStation controller. So didn't actually eat it. Could have gone to <laughs> someone else that could have eaten it. And, yeah. you know, and whatever it is. And it could have been like, oh, gosh, darn, like that could have gone to somebody else. But he also could have just eaten it and shared it with other people. And mm-hmm. and like, who am I to say, obviously, with proper discernment, depending on the circumstances of whatever, but like on base level, who am I to say that this person doesn't deserve, like even Mm -hmm. just thinking about, you know, I can't imagine, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be hungry and people ignore me. Like I can't even conceptualize it and, or just to be cold. Like every time I go out in the cold or it's raining here in Florida, I just think about how miserable I feel. And I wonder if I would even be able to last 10 minutes in that Mm. and just like everyone ignoring me, just being cold and nobody looking at me, nobody offering me like a a poncho, nothing. And, you know, I just can't even conceptualize it. So I really, I think it is important what you shared of just reminding yourself that at any moment, this could be you in reality, but then also mm-hmm. how we are before God is like, we are super, like we are nothing before God, but he makes us everything. Like we are so mm-hmm. treasured and valued and beloved in some, in some like weird freak way. <laughs> we are like, <laughs> we, in some weird, which sometimes I'll, I'll go to bed and I'm like, I can't even believe that like God is holding me in existence right now. And this is like the craziest thing. And for what? I don't know. Hopefully one day he'll be like, ah, Chanel for this glorious purpose. But it's just like, you know, it's just so if all of us are treated like that, well, then who are we to say that we shouldn't have a huge option for those that are poor? Because God loves each of us in that same way, which is just so crazy to think about. I so appreciate you sharing, Father. And I wish we had like, 10 hours. I know that your schedule is so, (laughs) I know that your schedule is so busy and, um, and I just am so grateful for everything that you guys do, Mm. you all do. And just for everything that you're doing for all of our brothers and sisters on the streets in homes, you know, there are people that are experiencing like poverty of spirit and just feel super discouraged. So thanks for being a light there. And so this is just a reminder to everyone listening In a way that you might think uh, having an option for the poor is unreachable, it is not because it could just be your deskmate who has not talked to anyone in a week or has no one that ever calls them. Or it could be, you know, that person that you drive past every day that you could stop by the Dollar Tree and just grab like 
$5 worth of food and just like give it to them. Mm. You know, it's really more accessible than I think we give ourselves credit for. And so that's a challenge for everyone listening to go out there and see what you can do in that way. So Father, at the end of every episode, we ask each guest about something that gives them hope. So if you feel ready, you can go. Or if you need time, I can go. How are you feeling? I mean, honestly, I've been involved with the Eucharistic Revival um, around the country as one of the preachers. And I've just been filled with hope because I've seen again and again and again the reality of Jesus's love for us present in the Eucharist, people encountering him and like their lives being transformed. I wish we had 10 hours because yeah. we just like go on talking about it. But like, I have just seen like conversions. Ooh. I've seen healings. I've seen restorations of faith. I've seen restorations of marriages. I've seen people who have been delivered from the enemy. It's just like, it's so beautiful to see this love that Jesus has for us, this light that's present shining in this world. And so that just gives me a lot of hope because like when you witness that, you're just like, man, all right, Lord, like you're here. There might be a lot of ways in which I look around and feel like the world's a hot mess. But you're doing but it. Jesus is in that mess. I know. Jesus and he's is like doing transforming. it. It's so it's yeah, anyhow. I know. That's it. No, that's a dope one. And honestly, I I when I look around too, because my my parents love watching the news like every day. And I I love being informed as a citizen, so I get it. But also I'm like, dude, y'all gotta give it a rest. Like it is yeah. <laughs> it is intense. Let's go for some good news. Yeah, here. I'm like, let's go for some, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's go for some like good news of the gospel or something. And so, you know, as the news is on every day and I'm listening to it, I'm just kind of thinking to myself sometimes, like, gosh, there is just what? There is no hope anywhere. And then I'll log on to Zoom or, you know, log on to some work calls and planning this pilgrimage. And I get to talk to so many people from around the country that are participating in this National Eucharistic Pilgrimage next summer. And they're just like people from towns that you would have never even heard of that <laughs> that these pilgrims next summer are going to be walking yeah. through and spending the evening with them and like, you know, sleeping over in host homes like and just people that are just like regular parishioners, regular chancery workers. And these people are just like so pumped for yeah. like just this interaction and this opportunity to bring Jesus to other people. Like, and it's, and it's such like an authentic, they're just super pumped about it. And for no other mm -hmm. reason than to just bring Jesus to other people, not like mm -hmm. a, these pilgrims are going to think we're great or they're going to, everyone's <laughs> going to, but just like, wow. Okay. Would father mind having adoration at this parish? Because like we share a priest amongst like four parishes and we never mm. really get to do something like that. And maybe we could have confession here. Like, on one of Sign our lunch up. breaks, you know, but it's just so, it, yeah. And thank God you're yeah. coming. And it's just so <laughs> like awesome to hear these people be like, we just want to make this a transformative experience for the people in our area to see that like, look, people care about Jesus. People care about the faith and they care about each other. Like mm. what a like intimate opportunity for us to just be like, we can just gather together and actually be together. And so to Amen. just see like people of all ages and, you know, just be pumped about like coordinating these efforts for next year has just like given me a lot of hope for humanity and just how people mm -hmm. are like, 
you know, because at planning this pilgrimage, I'm kind of asking a lot to say, hey, could you house 11 people? (laughs) (laughs) Could you house 11 people, two priests, two seminarians, you know, and people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, absolutely. We have like this parishioner has a basement and they're cleaning it up already. They're ordering Mm -hmm. new couches. We'll, you know, (laughs) we're going to make homemade meatballs this day. And it's just such like this is the like kind of fraternity that we're made for. So it's just such like a hopeful thing to be like, wow, I'm just so excited for everyone participating in it in any way you know such a beautiful thing and thank you early on i'm sure i'll thank you a million times um next summer when i see you but thank you in advance for coming and thank you to all your guys and and thank you to all these pilgrims that will be coming next summer it's going to be great so so father i so appreciate you and uh thank you for being here with us thank you chanel it's been a joy god bless you